This is false and defamatory, the impact of defamation and weaponized social media. Trigger warning. This podcast discusses topics related to emotional abuse, gaslighting, verbal abuse, threatening language, cyberbullying, intimidation tactics, and thoughts of self-harm which may be triggering for some listeners. The content includes descriptions of manipulative behavior, psychological distress, body shaming, online harassment, and other forms of abusive behavior and emotional trauma. Please take care of yourself and consider your mental and emotional state before listening. If you need support or someone to talk to, please seek help from a trusted friend, family member, or mental health professional. Thank you for listening. Finally, the day has come for my deposition. I have been looking forward to this day for a very long time because I had shut down my social media. Other than legal documents, I had not been able to speak for myself for a year and eight months. And if you'll recall, my deposition had been rescheduled. I've lost count of how many times. And after the defendant's deposition in February, mine and H's depositions were scheduled for the end of March. And the defendant canceled those, said she was going to have a surgery, which she proceeded to not have. And Then our depositions were rescheduled for May, and then she retained her third attorney, and so our depositions were moved again. So I have been waiting through all of her legal delays for her own deposition and all of the delays for my own deposition. And the day comes, I had talked with my attorney, Todd. He was not able to be there that day, but because there were no questions being asked, just objections to be had, that was okay. Elizabeth, my second attorney, was there. H was there. And H's attorney was also there. And we had discussed, Todd and Elizabeth and I, beforehand, because of the kind of recent escalation of violent comments and innuendos, strategically, where should people be seated? And so the entry to the conference room, you would enter and be able to easily access the left side of the table. And so it was decided that H and H's attorney and Elizabeth would be seated on that side and I would be seated at the end of the table so that if something crazy happened with the defendant while we were there, if she did not like what I had to say, because I was about to once and for all shut down every single narrative that she has ever perpetuated about me, we could leave the room quickly. And now I'm just, that's just, I'm being honest because you just don't know. And Todd wanted to make sure that we didn't take lightly the recent violent comments. And so the videographer was there, the court reporter, both of the defendant's attorneys were there. However, the defendant did not show up to my deposition. She was not there. So after all of the delays and rescheduling of my deposition, rescheduling one because she was going to have surgery and wasn't going to be able to attend, after all of that, she did not even bother to come to my deposition. My deposition began at 9.34 a.m. 
and all of the attorneys stated their name and appearance. And then the defendant's attorney started to question me. And he says, will you please state your name for the record? And I say, Crystal Wrighton. He says, Crystal, where do you live? And I told him, what's your address? And I told him. And then he told me his name and said, I'll be asking you some questions today. First off, let me ask you, are you aware that the testimony you give here today is pursuant to the oath that you just took has the same legal effect as if you were sitting in front of a jury at trial. And I said, yes, because I had just been sworn in. Then he says, before we get too far along, I'd like to get a couple of agreements with you if we can. So have some ground rules. So here goes. First of all, would you give me your agreement that if you need to stop at any point to stretch your legs, take a drink of water or whatever, that you will answer whatever question I might have pending and then let me know that and we can go off the record and you can take care of whatever it is you need to take care of. And I said, yes. He said, okay, and will you give me your agreement to avoid uh uh-huhs and uh uh-uhs as we're going through the day? That's a real easy thing to slip into, but it's really tough for the court reporter to get down. And I said, yes. Then he said, okay, and you're already slipping into the second one that's kind of, and then I said the nodding. And he said, it's a similar vein. Would you give me your agreement to give me oral response to my question so that we can avoid head shakes and nods and that sort of thing? And I said, yes. He said, okay, will you give me your agreement to let me know if I ask you a question that you don't really understand so that we can make sure when we're all done here, we've got record of complete questions. We've got answers for those questions. And I said, yes. He says, okay, Crystal, will you also give me your agreement that even if you understand a question that I'm about to put a question mark on the end of, that you'll give me the opportunity to finish asking that question before you start answering? Again, that's for the court reporter here so that we're not stepping all over each other while we're going through the day. And I said, yes. He says, great, Crystal, tell me where you were born. And I told him, he asked when, I gave my birth date. Okay, and did you attend high school where you were born? And I said, no. And then I told him where I did attend high school. And he said, all right, do you have any degrees past high school? And I said, yes, I have a Bachelor of Business Administration in Economics. He asked where from, and I gave him my university alma mater. And then he clarified what town that was in, and I said, correct. And he said, what about any trade school certificates? Do you have any of those? And I said, I have another certification that is related to my current employment that I would rather not disclose. And then he said, let's go off the record for a second. And during this time, he and Elizabeth discussed the reason that I was uncomfortable giving that information because I am a teacher. I hold a teaching certification and the defendant prior has suspected someone else of being a troll. And that person was a teacher and the defendant created a fake Instagram account with that person's identifying information commented on that person's Instagram account some pretty nasty things. And then the defendant had told myself and her husband in a text message that I've shown before in prior episodes that she actually emailed that teacher's principal and was going to let them know and it attached a cyberbullying policy and things like that. So there was some documented harassment of a teacher prior. And so I was very uncomfortable with any part of my employment being known at that point. And then we go back on the record. We were only off the record for one minute. And then the defendant's attorney says, Crystal, your attorney and I have had an opportunity to speak for a minute. And I think we're going to try and put something on the record so you can give a substantive answer to that question that I just asked you. And then Lito says, my attorney, So we're not willing to disclose my client's employer, where she's employed, particularly based on prior defendant acts, but we will disclose it under a protective order later on. But you can answer just the basic of what it is rather than your employer. And I said, okay, I have a Texas teaching certification. 
And then he says, great. Have you ever been married? And I said, yes. He says, how many times? And I said, one. And then he said, and are you still married? And I said, I am. And then he said, okay, when were you married? And I told him the date and he asked, who did you marry? I gave him my husband's name and needed to spell that for him. He asked where we were married. So I gave the town. And then I actually said specifically where the church was that we got married. He said, and do you guys got any kids? And I said, yes. How many? And I said, three. And he said, let's see, what are their names? And so then I give them their names and their ages. And he says, other than the children that you just named, do you have any other kiddos? And I said, no. And he says, have you ever served in the United States military? And I said, no. He says, all right, coming out of high school, were you employed? And I said, right out of high school, I went to college. And he said, okay. And then I said, I think I had odd jobs like at Kroger. I waited tables at a Ruby Tuesday. I don't know if that's what you're asking. And he said, I just want to get a picture of what your work history looks like. And I said, oh, okay. And he said, so let's kind of, let's start with while you were in college, you said you had a few odd jobs. And at this point I said, "Uh uh-huh. And if you'll recall from the defendant's deposition episodes, once you have completed your deposition, you are able to review that deposition and then document any changes to that deposition so that your final deposition is a true and correct copy of your sworn testimony. And so during the deposition, I said, "Uh uh-huh. And then when I had a chance to go back and correct, I did say that that should be a yes. It's pretty obvious, but I really wanted to be as accurate as possible. So I said, "Uh uh-huh, but it should have said yes. And I corrected that later. And then he said, when you got out of college, what was the first job you had? And so then I kind of went through my employment history and told him where I worked. And then he said, and when were you employed? And then I couldn't really recall the dates. And so I gave some dates and then I went back and corrected and I would think I was off by a month. So I did correct that whenever my deposition was sent back to me. He asked about my job title. I said I was a retail business analyst. And then while I was there, I was promoted to account manager and I managed our largest account. And then I named the account and we sold retail trash bags, private label. And he said, and what was your reason for leaving that company? And I said, my commute was really lengthy and my middle son was a baby and it was just a long commute, a lot more hours away from him than I preferred. And he said, okay, so after that company in 2006, where did you go? And so then I told him and listed the company and the city. And he said, and what did you do for that company? And I said, I did similar work for them. They were a smaller company. I worked not just with the large account that I managed at the other company, but also all of our other accounts, pharmacy accounts. We sold liquid supplements. I was there for six or seven years. Again, I apologize. I can get exact dates for you. Ultimately, I was the director of brand management and was responsible for operations, customer service, sales, and things like that. The only other executive in the company besides the owner was the CFO and I. And he said, okay. And then whenever I had a chance to go back and correct anything in my deposition, I did go ahead and send in the accurate dates of when I was employed there. And then he said, and what was the reason for leaving that company? And I said, in 2008, there was a recession and we sold liquid supplements that were more expensive than our counterparts in a pill form. So our business went downhill and our owners were trying to figure out what to sell to keep the business afloat and ventured into some products that I was not morally comfortable with, and so I left. And then he said, okay, so we'll call that 2013 for lack of being more firm on it. And then so when I went back to correct it, I did correct that I had left in October of 2012. And I said, yeah. And he said, okay. And then he said, and we'll say in 2013, you left. Again, I corrected that to be 2012. Where did you go? And then I said, I became business partners with a woman 
our company at the time was, and then I gave the name and then we had later rebranded and I gave that name. And he said, and you said you were a business partner. And I said, "Uh uh-huh. Again, I had to correct that to be yes. It's very difficult when you're a deposition to not say "Uh uh-huh and uh uh-uh and nod and things like that, that you would normally say in common conversation. So I did fall victim to that a few times, even though he had specifically warned me not to do that. And he said, and what does that mean exactly? And I said, I was responsible for the operations side of the business. My business partner was the CEO. She was more creative, product design, kind of visionary type. And I basically knew how to run a business and how to achieve all of the goals that she had, how to ship product, how to manage employees, anything operationally related, I handled. And then he clarified the name of the company and asked how long was I there? And I said, five and a half years. I did have to go back later and insert the correct month and year that I was there. And that was from November of 2012 to February of 2018, officially. Then I said, I think it was the end of 2017 or 18 when I decided to sell my shares and leave. And he said, and what made you decide to do that? And I said, my business partner and I just had two different ideas of the direction of the company that we wanted to go. And quite frankly, I was working a lot of hours. We had a personal situation in our family that I needed to tend to with my daughter at the time. And so it was just best for me to move on. And he said, okay, so we're in 2018 now. And I said, yes. He said, where did you go next? And I said, I didn't go anywhere right away. Again, the personal situation with my daughter required my attention. And ultimately, my next job was with defendant's company. And he said, and when did you start there? And I said, I believe it was May of 2019, if I'm not mistaken. The defendant contacted me in April and said that she needed a new operations manager. I told her that I had some prior commitments, but I could try to help her find someone. And I had a prior employee in mind from another company, but that didn't work out. And so I gave her three options. I said, I can come into work for you and do it myself. I can provide you guidance or I can do it until you find someone. And she said that she preferred for me to come and do it and be her operations manager. And he said, okay, you said initially you told her when she contacted you that you had some prior commitments. But you said you really didn't go anywhere between 2018 and 2019. And then he goes, we'll back up a step because I had said, "Uh uh-huh, or something. And so we were going back and forth to not say that. And so he says, those agreements we make early on, there's something to stick with when it gets to this point, like I said, where you know what the next question is going to be, but you got to give me a chance to put that question mark on the end of it so she can take care of it for us. Okay. And I said, yes. And he said, all right, so you mentioned in your previous answer that you had told the defendant, and I'm sorry, I'm going to back up and ask another question first. Which defendant were you talking about there? You sued a couple of different ones, so let me make sure we're on the same page. And so then I stated the defendant's name. And he said, okay, so you testified then that you told defendant that you had some prior commitments, but you told me just a minute ago that you didn't really go anywhere between 2018 and 2019. So can you flesh that out for me just a little bit and let me understand better what you mean by prior commitments? And then I said, so the personal situation that I needed to attend to, my daughter became pregnant as a senior in high school, and I had agreed to watch the baby while she started college for the first year. The baby was born in September of 2018, my granddaughter, and my daughter didn't start college until January of 2019. So I had planned to watch my granddaughter for the entirety of 2019. And he says, gotcha. So you came on board at defendant's company sometime in 2019. And so he was attempting to catch me in a lie at that moment by saying, well, what do you mean you had prior commitments? You just said that you didn't go anywhere. And so very quickly, his demeanor changed when I expounded on what I meant with my daughter's situation. And he changed his line of questioning. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And he says, what did you start doing initially? And I said, operationally, there were a lot of processes that needed to be made more efficient. I also began organizing the warehouse. There was quite a mess. I was trying to kind of put everything in like places. I'd found a lot of waste, tons of technology equipment and just duplicate items of things. And so I was trying to get all of that in order so I could ask the defendant how to proceed. I began doing sales reports, analysis. I analyzed employees like shipping, how long it took somebody to ship something or pull an order, pack an order. I managed the majority of the employees with the exception of the defendant's personal assistant at the time. He says, okay. And then after you got in there and got working, did your job title change or did your job description change? And I said, officially, the job description was never updated. But in a small business, it's very common to wear many hats. So yes, I would usually do whatever needed to be done on that day if there was something that needed to be done and there wasn't anyone else available. Later in 2020, in March of 2020, I believe, the defendant fired her CPA or she told me that she didn't want to work with them anymore and asked me to take over bookkeeping and accounting duties. And so I began helping with that. After that, I also would do cash flow projections. I provided the defendant with spec sheets of every product so that she could make decisions on how to sell something. I also let her know the spec sheet had on it a picture of the product, how much we paid for it, what the margin was, what the break even was. Just tried to give her as much information as possible so that she could make business decisions accordingly. He says, okay. So then you handled bookkeeping in addition to the other stuff that you mentioned from March 2020 through September of 2020 or so. And I said, correct. He said, and you left in September 2020. And I said, yes. And he says, why did you leave in September 2020? And I said, the hours I was working, the stress level and frustration level exceeded my compensation level. He said, okay, so give me an idea of what that answer really looks like nuts and bolts. What were you making at the time? And I said, at the time I left, I believe I was making $49,500. When I was initially hired, I was making $45,000 and I believe I got a 10% raise. I can't recall the date. I'm sorry. When I reviewed my deposition after the fact, I went back and clarified that the date was in June of 2020 when I got the raise. He says, and given the hours and stress and frustration levels that you mentioned before, what do you think you ought to have been getting paid? And I said, with the work that I was providing, that is more in line with eighty dollars to $90,000. And he says, okay, Crystal, have you ever been convicted of a crime? And I said, no. Then he says, have you ever been a plaintiff in a civil lawsuit other than this case? And I said, yes. And he said, how many times? And I said, one. And he said, where was that case filed? And so then we went back and forth on some details about the lawsuit with my former business partner, the county and city that it was in. He asked, who did you sue? And so then I explained that it was my former business partner. And honestly, I can't recall if it was also the company. I did go back and clarify that it was the company named in the lawsuit. And he says, is that the business partner you had when you were with that company? And I said, yes. And he said, okay. I know you said it rebranded from another name, but for purposes here today, we both know when I say company name, we're talking about that company, right? And I said, yes. And he said, what was the dispute over? And I said, it was a breach of contract by the defendant. And he said, more specifically, what were you alleging that she did wrong? And then my attorney, Ms. Belito Elizabeth said, 
So that's part of a confidential settlement agreement from that lawsuit. Again, we're willing to provide that under a protective order, but the settlement amount and exactly what was done in the lawsuit is under a confidential settlement agreement. And then he said, I can get behind that 100%, but obviously the pleadings are live and are on file in public records. So right now I'm just asking about the pleadings. And then Elizabeth says, okay. And then he says, okay. And then he asks me, what were you alleging that she did wrong? And I said, there was a breach of contract of our operating agreement regarding my compensation for shares that I owned. And he said, okay. And you say that case was resolved or your attorneys indicated that the case was resolved. When did that case resolve? And I said, August of 2018. He said, well, we'll stipulate to the information concerning the objection to providing the information that would be protected under the non-disclosure and whatever protective order you want there. But do you have any problems with me contacting my former business partner and talking to her about the case? And I said, no. He said, okay, you wouldn't consider that a breach of the non-compete or non-disclosure if I do that. And I said, I don't know. She was represented. So you may want to contact her attorney. I'm not an attorney, so I don't know. And he said, sure, but I'm just... And I would do it that way, but I'm asking you personally, you don't have any objection to her talking to us about that, do you? And I said, no. I later realized that he was trying to get me to agree to that on record so that they could try and get my former business partner to come and testify against me on behalf of the defendant. So that's why that entire line of questioning occurred. Then he says, have you ever been a defendant in a civil lawsuit? And I said, no. And he said, with respect to your participation in the LLC that I had with my business partner, and I said, yes. He said, okay, is it an LLC that existed before you went to work with her or did y'all form it together? And I said, she had formed it, then I came to work with her. He said, okay, and at the apex of your involvement in that company, what was your ownership interest? When he asked that, I did go through those figures. I'm not going to share them here as that is confidential business information, but we did go through what my ownership stake was and how I came about that ownership with the finances involved. And then he says, before I forget, do you know defendant's husband? And I said, yes. And he said, okay, how do you know him? And I said, he is the defendant's current husband, ex-husband. I met him and worked with him when I worked for the defendant. And he said, when was the last time you saw him? And I said, before I left. I don't recall the exact date that I saw him, but it was prior to my resignation from the company, which I believe was on September 2nd of 2020. And he said, yes, that's the date I've got. And then he says, when is the last time you spoke to him? And I said the same before that. I don't recall speaking to him, but it was before I left. I have a text message with him and the defendant on August 28th of 2020. That's the last contact that I have had with him, but I can't recall a phone call or seeing him in a person before then. Then he said, and the way you phrased your answer was last contact. So I want to make sure I'm not leaving anything else off. I'm not trying to be redundant. I'm just trying to cover the basis here. What about emails? And I said, he was copied, I think, on my resignation letter email on September 2nd, 2020. He said, so let me get this straight. You emailed your letter of resignation to both the defendant and her husband. And I said, yes. And then he said, okay, what about private messaging on any social media platforms? And I said, no, none. He said, okay, how would you describe your relationship with him? And I said, it was a working relationship. I would contact him for certain things. I would contact him if I couldn't reach the defendant about something. I would contact him regarding website functionality. I believe he was in charge of maintaining our Google Drive and Gmail. So any issues like that, I would contact him for those things. But other than that, I didn't. Then he said, in addition to being the defendant's husband, he's also partial owner in the company, a defendant in this case, right? And I said, correct. That is my understanding. 
He said, do you have any idea of why he's got you listed as a witness in his divorce case? And I said, I have no idea. He said, does that kind of strike you as odd that an owner of the company that you're suing here has got you listed as a witness in his own divorce case? And I said, yes. And then H's attorney says, objection form. And I went on to answer. I was very shocked when I found out on February the 15th of this year, again, this deposition was taken in 2022, at the defendant's deposition that I was listed as a witness on his divorce case. I was shocked. And then he said, have you ever spoken with him about any topic that you might be available to testify for on his behalf? And I said, not that I can think of. Then he says, I'll ask the same question, just kind of massage it a little. Have you ever talked to an attorney who represented him about anything you might testify to? And I said, no. And he said, okay. And I said, I have had no contact with defendant's husband since September 2nd of 2020 in any way, shape or form or any representative of him. Does that help? And he says, sounds pretty firm to me. And I said, thank you. And then he said, just going through a couple of these questions that I had written down here for you, because we've already kind of gone through some answers and I don't want to again, be redundant. You mentioned earlier that you had sent an email to both defendant and her husband advising of your resignation. Did you give any notice to that in that letter or was it just kind of an I'm out of here kind of thing? And I said it was effective immediately. And he said, okay. I said, I just want to clarify. I also almost simultaneously sent an email in addition to the resignation detailing out any area of my responsibility, what the status was, what the next step needed to be. Just because I was leaving immediately, they would have knowledge of anything that I was managing or in charge of. And he said, I know with respect to defendant's husband, you said you hadn't had any further contact with him. Do you have any reason to believe that defendant's husband and defendant did or alternatively did not actually receive that letter of resignation? And I said, no, I don't have any reason to believe that they did not receive my email. Then he said, we've been going for a little while here. It's a pretty good place to take a break if you'd like to do that. And I said, okay. I would like to point out that we had only been going for 36 minutes at this point. We went off the record at 10, 10 a.m. and went back on the record 10 minutes later at 10, 20 a.m. Defendant's attorney says, Crystal, we had a little break, an opportunity to stretch your legs here a little bit. I'm going to go back, circle back and ask you a couple of questions just to clean up a little bit from what we were talking about before. And then we're going to talk a little bit about your petition, okay? And I said, okay. He says, without suggesting to anybody where it might be or what it might be doing, do you currently have a contract for employment? And I said, yes. He said, okay, and what does that contract call for you to be paid? And I said, $58,500. He said, okay. And I'm more curious than just an individual basis as anything else, but does that give you some flexibility with respect to watching your granddaughter? And I said, it gives me more time off, yes. And then he said, okay, let's talk a little bit about your third amended original petition and request for disclosure, okay? And I said, okay. Then he said, and I believe your attorney has given you a copy of that. And then I nodded. And so then I had to go back and change that to yes, whenever I was evaluating my deposition. He said, okay, and we're going to talk about starting page three, the first entry there where you've indicated plaintiff made a slander, harassing, or libelous statement, okay? Or defendant did, okay? And I said, yes. And then he says, now with respect to that particular, the first one there, that first entry, who do you know that ever saw this post and believed it was about you? And I said, I believe I was named in the post and I was sent a message on my Facebook by, and then I listed the woman's name, who said, and I believe we've turned that over, so I'm going to paraphrase the message, something along the lines of, is defendant's post true about you? And I told her I didn't know what she was talking about. I had unfollowed the defendant on all social media by that time. I said, what does it say? 
And I also did say, you don't have to tell me it's fine. I don't care what lies she says about me. Something along those lines. And I believe she sent me some screenshots. I also got an Instagram message DM from Laura, who you have seen in an earlier episode, with screenshots as well. And I believe I'm listed by name, which would lead me to believe in that post that the post was about me. Then he says, okay, now you've indicated the woman sending the Facebook message was asking if it was true, correct? And I said, correct. Then he said, okay, so she didn't automatically presume it was true, did she? And I said, no. Then he said, okay, what about Laura? Was she asking if it was true or was she responding, indicating to you that she believed it to be true? And I said, I don't think either. I'm sorry, I will have to go back and read the message. And again, I think it's been turned over to you. I think Laura was just saying, this is what was posted. Look at this. And then he said, okay, so again, no indication that Laura actually believed it to be true, right? And I said, correct, in that message. Then he said, okay, do you have another message from her where she does say that she thought it was true? And I said, not that I can recall. And he said, okay. And I said, I was just being specific to your question. And he said, that's okay. I'm just trying to follow up and make sure I got the whole circle. Okay, tell me what job opportunity did you lose because of this post? And I said, And again, I'm going to have to get back with you on specific dates. At the time, I had completed four or five interviews with a company called, and then I gave the name. I had met with HR who had confirmed my qualifications and salary requirements of $90,000 a year. I had met with a man who was a supervisor. His name escapes me. I can get that for you or who would have been my supervisor. I then met with a COO. These were virtual interviews, by the way. I interviewed with the COO of the company, and during my conversation with him, he said, your qualifications, actually, I would like to do something else with you, a different role where you would go into all of the different branches of the company. This company has branches all across the United States and evaluate them, do some analysis, tell me the efficiency, things like that. Ask me if I would like to speak with the person that he would like to supervise me in that capacity. And so I had met with that person. And then after I met with that person, I think his name was, and then I gave his name, he followed up with me and asked me for some files to demonstrate my capacity with Microsoft Excel. And so we followed up a few times in my last correspondence with him said, if you've not already heard from HR, you should anytime. Can't wait to work with you. It was very obvious that I was going to be getting that job. My last contact with him was early November. Again, I'll have to get you that date. And I did go back and find that date and it was November the 5th. And these posts by the defendant began on November 13th. I don't know what happened. They never contacted me again. After meeting with all of those people, being told that, you know, you would be hearing from HR or the COO and moving forward. And then he says, okay, and they've never given you an indication, though, that you actually lost that job interview as a result of any of these posts, did they? And I said, no, I never heard from them again. Then he said, okay, other than that job, have you applied for any other jobs since those posts began that you didn't get? And I said, yes, I applied for a teaching position at a high school in the summer of 2021. I cannot recall the exact date. And then he said, okay, and did they give you any reason to believe that any of these posts had anything to do with not getting the job? And I said, no. And that job was a job that I applied for right after deciding to get my teaching certification. And it was almost more of a formality for me to just go through the process of being interviewed as an educator, as I had never done that before. And so that was another job that I didn't get, but it was really unrelated to the defendant and her false and defamatory narrative. But I was asked about it here. So I did honestly disclose that. Then he says, okay, Crystal, have you suffered any physical problems as a result of becoming aware of any of the posts associated with this number one entry? And I said, yes. He says, okay, can you describe those for me? And I said, I have had high blood pressure for a number of years. 
When these posts began on November 13th, my blood pressure went up a lot. I believe when I took it, it was the weekend, so I didn't go to the doctor on that Friday night. But at home, my blood pressure was the top number, I think, was in the 160s and the bottom number was in the high 110s. I began that weekend doubling my blood pressure medication to try and get my blood pressure down. It would not go down. First thing Monday morning, which I believe would have been the 16th of November, I saw my doctor, explained what was going on with my blood pressure, explained to her that I had doubled my medication. When I went to see her in her office, my blood pressure, I believe it's documented, and you've got that with 154 over 100 at the doctor's office. She prescribed an anti-anxiety medication for me. She concluded that my high blood pressure was likely caused by or was situational with the stress because I had just been to the doctor for my normal checkup a few months prior. I can get that date for you. I did go back and get that date and it was September 1st of 2020 that I had gone to the doctor and my blood pressure was completely normal. There were no problems with my medication. She asked me to follow up with her in a few weeks and I did. And at that appointment, my blood pressure was normalized. Again, I can get the specific reading for you. On November 16th, when I first saw her, it was 154 over 100. And then when I went back on November 30th of 2020, it was 110 over 67. Then I said, again, I can get the specific reading for you. However, I was taking three of this anti-anxiety medication a day for that to happen. And she increased my blood pressure medicine and said, you cannot take three of those a day. That is not sustainable. So she prescribed a long-term anti-anxiety, antidepressant at that time that I started taking. And then he said, what's that doctor's name again? And then I gave it. And then he said, I believe you already tendered some medical records associated with that. Okay. Have you had any other problems associated with this November the 13th entry? And I said, no, not that I can recall health-wise. And he said, what about emotionally? Did you come undone enough to have to see a counselor or anything about that particular entry? And I said, yes. Then he said, okay, who did you see? And I gave my therapist's name, who you have heard from in a prior episode, Dr. Sean Lee. I started seeing him. I'll have to get you the exact date. When I went back and looked, I had started seeing Dr. Lee on November 25th of 2020. And then I said, I think that's been turned over. Then I said, I would not leave the house. It took me, I think, until late December. And then at this point in the deposition, I did get emotional and I was very surprised by that because I was fine just answering these questions. And then suddenly when I was talking about how it affected me, I was really surprised that it affected me so much to sort of kind of relive it. And so at that point he said, let's go off the record for a minute. And so we went off the record for two minutes. And then when we came back, he said, Crystal, we took a break a minute ago. You were telling me that you began seeing a counselor by the name of Sean Lee sometime between November and December of 2020. And I said, yes. And he said, how long did you see Dr. Sean Lee? And I said, I still see him now. I have been seeing him about weekly, every other week, occasionally for holidays. It's a little bit longer, but I still see him now. And he said, okay, have you turned over those records as well previously? And I said, yes. And he said to previous counsel, okay. Then he said, the second entry here, we got a Facebook entry. This reference is being made on November 14th of 2020. With respect to that post, can you tell me who saw that one and believed that it was true? And I said, I cannot tell you all of the people who saw it and believe that it was true. I believe in the post that we've turned over. It will show people commenting. It was a lot. I can't recall if it was this post specifically, but in some of the defendant's posts, she tagged people at one point up to 100 people. She also tagged people that I went to church with, people that I knew from my hometown. She threatened to tell people at my church and named my church. I can't recall if it's this post or not. I'm sorry, but there were a lot of comments from people believing it. There were physical threats made against myself, my family, 
but I would need to see the full post. I'm sorry to know if it was this post or not. And he said, I'm just going off what you've got in your petition. And he said, so I can't give you more information than that. And I said, right. Then he said, likewise, with respect to this one, can you tell us any job or job opportunity that you knew that you lost as a result of this particular post? And I said, just the same as the first post in general. And then he said, and did you suffer any additional physical problems associated with this particular post? And I said, same as before. And what I was trying to say earlier is I wouldn't leave the house. It took me until the end of December, I think, to even leave the house to go to church. And even then we would just go to the 830 service because no one was there. And I was thankful that we still had to wear masks because no one could see my face. So it impacted that. Also, with regard to the employment loss, at some point when the posts were being made, a follower of the defendant in the comments were asking which one was Crystal and then found a picture of me and my son and posted it in the comments. And she had cropped my son out, but I didn't know this woman and it alarmed me that she could find a picture or that she had a picture of my son who was a minor on her phone. And at that point, I shut all of my social media down, Instagram, Facebook, and I even shut down my LinkedIn, Glassdoor, everything. I did not want to have a footprint on the internet for these people who were believing the defendant's post about me and making physical threats against myself and my family. I think one of the posts said they were going to release snakes in my house. I didn't want them to have access to me, and so I shut it all down. And then he said, snakes in your house. And I said, yep. And he said, that's a good one. And I said, yep. Then he said, okay, you've got by my count 105 total bullet points listed here between the number one, the first one, and the last one on page 14. I count 105 of those. Is there any of those or are there any of those other posts that are included in that 105 list that you would say, oh yeah, I know I lost this job because of that post. And I said, not specifically. And then he said, okay, other than comments you've seen, is there anyone where anybody that you specifically knew came up to you and said anything along the lines of, I saw this post and boy, I sure believe that. And I said, not that came up to me specifically. And he said, okay. And then I said, but there are many people that I knew who were commenting, indicating or outright saying that they believed what she was saying. Sort of like, that's so crazy. I can't believe that. I always thought Crystal was such a hard worker but apparently not, you know, those kinds of comments. And then he said, give me one of those 105 posts where you know that's something somebody said. And I said, I cannot point one out specifically, but likely all of them. There are many comments and I think that we provided the files for all of these. I would have to probably say all of them. I also had my neighbor who taught at my son's middle school, my youngest son. His middle school is kind of across the street from the defendant's business's warehouse. So there were usually banners talking about the business. So I believe that a lot of the teachers and staff there knew what defendant's business was. And my neighbor taught at the school. He came home the week of November 16th, one of the days, I cannot recall the exact day, and came over and said, hey, what's going on? One of the teachers at the school or somebody at the school, a staff member at the school said that they saw all of this stuff about his mom and were asking me about it. Did you do this? And I burst into tears and I was like, absolutely not. I've done none of those things. And so at that point, my son's school is about 0.3 miles from our house and he typically would walk to and from school. We stopped letting him walk to and from school just because we didn't know what someone might say to him or the defendant was very attached to him. And so knowing that there were people in his school, his teachers or staff members, that were reading this, we just felt more comfortable driving him to and from school. Then he said, again, in a manner kind of similar to the woman who sent the Facebook message that you pointed to earlier, your neighbor that taught at the school across the street from defendant's business where that individual discussed these posts with you, 
There was not an indication that they believed any of it. It was simply an inquiry as to whether it was true from you, right? And I said, correct. He said, okay. And then I said, I have other instances from people I know personally, if that would help, if you want me to elaborate. Then he said, I had asked you earlier if there's any one of these particular posts that you can relate a specific incident with an individual who came to you and said they knew it was true. So yeah, if you've got one of those that relates to these, sure, tell me all about it. And I said, I will have to go and find the exact posts. I know there's a lot. I wish there weren't this many. And so I don't know the exact posts, but I know there are comments from a girl named, and then I listed this girl, who I mentored in a youth group when she was a child, who has indicated she believes the defendant and supports the defendant. There is also another person, and then I gave this person's name, who I've known since childhood, whose brother went to school with my brother. Anyway, they're from my hometown, who has also commented in support of the defendant believing the defendant. Again, I'm so sorry. I'll have to find the exact post where those comments are made, but I can get those and provide them. I believe that's all been sent over to you, but I'll make a note so that we can point those out directly. And because I said that, everything that I said I would go back and find and clarify, I did that. And so... One of the comments from one of the people that I was referring to says, diamonds ain't crystals. That's a good one. I went to school with her indicator. She's a real piece of work. I'm so sorry this is happening to you. I'm praying for you, defendant. And she tags the defendant. This was a comment on one of the defendant's posts. And then the other girl that I mentored in youth groups says that girl was actually tagged and the defendant was telling her that I hope that she's safe. And so the girl comments and says, I'll try to stay safe. And then says, love you, friend. And then the defendant says, love you, gorgeous. And then that girl replies again and says, defendant, I'm so sorry you're going through all of this. It's awful, but I promise God will use it for good. You are so strong. Love you, beautiful. Then the defendant's attorney says, okay, where do you think the girl that I mentored in youth group is these days? And I said, I have no idea. And then he said, and where did you mentor her as a youth? And so then I gave the church and the city. Then he asked about the other girl and says, does she still live in your hometown? And I said, I don't know. Then he said, okay, is that the last place you knew where she was? And I said, I think so. And at this point, he says that he wants to take another break. And so at this point, we had been going for 25 minutes. There were, well, technically 23 minutes. There was a brief two-minute recess when I needed to kind of collect myself when I got choked up. But 23 minutes we had been going at this point. It was 1045 when we took the break. We came back at 1056. And when we came back, defendant's attorney says, Crystal, we've just gotten back from a short break. I want to ask you, your co-plaintiff here today, H, is with us. Have you spoken with her about this case? And I said, no. Then he said, okay, have you got a Gomi account? And I said, no, never in any capacity have I ever had an account on Gomi. And then he said, okay, what about Reddit? Have you got a Reddit account? And I said, at one point in time, a year or so ago on Reddit, I had to click continue with Google to continue reading the thread. It's my Gmail. And then I gave my Gmail. I don't know if that constitutes me having an account or not, but I just had to read the thread and it made me click that. Then he said, so other than your Crystal Gmail account, you don't have any other usernames or anything like that. And I said, no, zero. And he said, have you ever posted anything on Gomi? And I said, no, never. And he said, never posted anything on Reddit? And I said, never. And then he said, okay, with respect to the 105 different posts that we've discussed that are in your petition, third amended petition, Is there any one particular one that you point to and say, this has impacted me in a way that we haven't already discussed here today? And then H's attorney objects 
and says form. And then Elizabeth also objects. And then the court reporter, I guess, couldn't understand what was being said and says, I'm sorry. And then defendant's attorney says, if you guys want to tell me what your objection is, I'll try to clean it up. And then H's attorney says, sure. I just think it's getting real vague because I didn't quite understand. You're asking her to say, is there one particular post listed in the petition that has impacted her more than what she's already discussed? And defendant's attorney says differently and then says, so we've talked about jobs. We've talked about counselors and we've talked about doctors. Is there one that, well, now this one I would, for example, and then he says, and we're off the record here. And then the videographer starts to say that we're getting off the record. And then there's confusion. We ended up going off the record for one minute. Then when we get back on the record, defendant's attorney says, Crystal, I had just asked you a question and we got an objection from both other attorneys in the case here. And I want to try to clean that up so I can ask that question in a manner that gives you the opportunity to answer it without needing to object. Okay. And so what I was asking you is with respect to these 105 different social media platform posts that are delineated in your third amended original petition, is there any one that you can point to specifically that you identifying have had a completely different reaction than anything we've already talked about today. And along those lines, I have used the example that, for example, my goodness, I read this one and I had a car wreck right after that happened. And I blame that whole car wreck thing on just that one particular post. Is there any one of these 105 that you could point to and tell me you had a different reaction than what we've talked about already today? And I said, not one that I can point to or another situation other than obvious physical, emotional, my reputation with and friendships lost within the defendant's online community. You know, other than that, not that I can think of. I think I understand the question from what you're saying. It affected my health, my mental health, my family, my friendships my work, I think that might cover it. And then he says, well, we've discussed the various types of issues that you might have had with respect to post numbers one and two. And what I'm asking, I think is just a little bit more of a narrow question to say, is there any one of these 105 posts, one particular one, or any five that you want to single out, for example, where you have a reaction personally that makes you say, I know this other bad thing happened to me as a result of that one post or these four posts or whatever, something that we haven't already talked about today. And I said, no, not that I can think of. Then he said, okay, now you did mention friendships lost. And I want to ask you about that real quickly. You had indicated earlier that you had turned off all your social media posts. So is there anybody that called or texted or emailed you or met you at the supermarket that said, I don't want to be your friend anymore because of something I read online? And I said, no, there's just a lack of contact. There's never being contacted again. And he said, okay. Then he says, but how would they know to contact you if you shut off all of those social media posts? And I said, some of the friendships I'm referring to have my personal cell phone number. He said, who are those people? And so then I listed out several people and said, I'm trying to think of people that I would communicate with regularly. It's been a long time. And I listed several people. And then I said, additionally, H, I've had no contact with her since the week of November 2nd, whenever that week was. So then he starts asking about specific names that I had named and asks for their spelling and then asks where they live. And so he asks specifically where one lives. And I said, she lives in South Texas. He asks about another one. And I said, she lives in South Dakota. He asked for another one. And I said, South Texas also. He asked another one. And I said, Oregon. He asked another one. And I said, I believe she lives in Argyle. And then he asked about H. And I said, I assume she still lives in and then he says, all right, counsel, I think that's all the questions I've got. And then H's attorney says, Mrs. Wrighton, I just have one follow-up question. Let me ask you this. With respect to any of the defamatory statements that you've identified or y'all have identified in your third amended petition, 
to the extent that they refer, well, first of all, are any of them true to the extent that they impugn your integrity, reputation, or character? And I said, no. Then he asked, how about with respect to H, are any of those statements true with respect to H to the extent that they impugn her reputation or character? And I said, not to my knowledge. Then H's attorney says, I'll pass the witness. Elizabeth says, and will reserve for trial. And then the videographer says, we're off the record. The time is 11.07 a.m. And then they go through some customary things about what kind of copies they want from the court reporter. Whenever he finalized and said he was done with questioning, we had been going 11 minutes. So in total, I was questioned for one hour and eight minutes. And the interesting thing is that when he would take a break, it would be after something that I had definitively said no to. For example, had I had any contact with the defendant's husband? No, I hadn't. And so at that point, like shortly after that, he takes a break because there's no further questions after that. I'm saying under oath definitively, I specifically made a point to be 100% definitive that the answer is no, never. No, I have not, not in any capacity, not any representative of him. And so whenever he asked about that and asked about Gomi or Reddit, there's nothing else for him to question. And so the deposition did not last very long. We didn't even get lunch. And so at that point, I went into a conference room with Elizabeth and we talked for a little while and then I left. And I did go back and send, of course, a spreadsheet because, of course, I did of the things that I needed to clarify where I said, "Uh uh-huh, and it should have been yes, and the dates that I needed to clarify. And H's deposition would be the following day. The evening of my deposition, after I had given my deposition, the evening before H's deposition, the defendant posted another Instagram story again at the gun range. And on the screen, she had written the words in my head. And this was very disturbing. I sent it to Todd and Elizabeth right away. And I said, I'm not trying to be dramatic, but the defendant has been escalating lately, making comments that are violent in nature. She has already posted at the gun range once. She has posted a story asking for ammo. She has made comments that she wants to stab somebody. And now... In the middle of my deposition and H's deposition, she is posting at the gun range again. And Todd made the decision to hire additional security for the following day for H's deposition because it was also to be held at my attorney's offices. And so we had additional security downstairs. This office is in a large office building, and I can't recall the floor that we were on, but we had additional security downstairs in addition To that, security measures were taken upstairs to where all of the rooms were closed off and locked except for the conference room where we were having the deposition because Todd just said, we can't take that kind of thing lightly. And whether she is serious or not remains to be seen, but we are going to take the necessary steps that we need to to make sure that you're safe and that all of our staff and attorneys are safe, that age is safe and the videographer, the court reporter, that everyone is safe. And so that was an interesting experience. And it was a nerve wracking kind of time to go in to H's deposition the next day, not knowing what may or may not happen. But we did go for H's deposition the following day. And once again, the defendant did not show up. And as frustrating as it was for her to have orchestrated all of these legal delays and delay our deposition and 
say that she was going to have surgery and she couldn't be there and then didn't have the surgery. And as frustrating as that was, after the violent comments that she made and this post at the gun range, which arguably could be considered witness intimidation as one of the plaintiffs in the lawsuit against her was going to be testifying the following day, was just a little unnerving and it made us all uncomfortable. And so the fact that she didn't actually end up showing up, it was a relief, honestly, because everything that she has done and the allegations that she has made have been so wild and outlandish. And there was just no telling what she may or may not do. And so we did have H's deposition. I will not be reading that. That is H's story to tell if she ever chooses to tell that. But it did last around the same time as my deposition. It was not very long. And when she was asked if she had any profiles on Gomi, the answer was no. She has never posted on Gomi. She has also never posted on Reddit. And those things were said in her deposition under oath. So she also had not ever hacked into the defendant's Instagram account or any of the other allegations. Those were asked of her and under oath. She said, no, none of that ever happened. She did not do any of those things that she was accused of. So at this point in time, we have finally had our depositions. All of the depositions have been taken. The discovery deadline was supposed to be on the day of H's deposition, but the judge did move it. So it was moved out by a couple of weeks. And currently the trial is still set for August 22nd of 2022. next time on false and defamatory my attorneys filed what is called a no evidence motion for summary judgment and this no evidence msj was meant to remove the first two affirmative defenses because the defendant has produced and by her own admission in her deposition has zero evidence to back up the truth of any of the claims that she made. Therefore, she should not be able to claim truth as a defense as there's no evidence, hence the title, no evidence motion for summary judgment. Whenever the defendant claimed the affirmative defense of truth, the burden of proof is now on her to prove that these statements are true. There is no evidence that exists in the entire universe that would ever prove what she said is true. In the deposition of defendant, when specifically asked what evidence she has which proves the truth of her statements, she replied that she had no such evidence. If you've ever sent me that kind of message, it sounds so gross to ask you to comment on this box to let me know that you've done so, but can you just comment in this little box and let me go print it so I can take it? She is trying to, I think, print out nice things that people have said about her in order to prove her point that no one would be mean to her on the internet because of all of the nice messages that she has is my interpretation of what she is doing. We were now having to try and narrow it down to 10 or 11. And at this point in the podcast, you know what an undertaking that is. But how can we tell the story and paint this picture for the jury with only 11 posts? In this lawsuit, nothing about the defendant starting to accuse me of being in cahoots with her husband or the defendant accusing her husband of the same things that she had accused me of, none of those were even on the table to present at trial. It was just almost kind of the first year. And in their motion, they say, 
Good cause exists for withdrawal of Movent as counsel because Movent is unable to effectively communicate with defendants in a manner consistent with good attorney-client relations. And he even brings up, we've tried to reach out to her four times since this date, July the 20th of 2022. That is during the week that the discovery was due. And also during the week that the defendant was on a cruise with her friend playing rock, paper, scissors to see what they might do next, either work on the case or do something else. The discovery deadline has passed at this point. Nothing from Apple was turned over. Nothing. Not a screenshot. Nothing saying, oh, yes, your iCloud was compromised. If her claim is that she knew that it was me posting about her all of this time, where are the posts from before she started defaming me that would prove that it was me? He called to tell me that he was not going to be able to represent me at trial. He said, we can file a motion for continuance and delay the trial if you want. And I said, no, <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. No, I don't care. No, I'm not doing that. I was terrified, terrified that I was going to have to file for a continuance. And I did not want to delay this any further. If I would have thought about it a little longer, I probably would have said, this is insanity. Are you kidding me? You're willing to bring on a brand new attorney five days before your trial? One day before my trial was to begin, one day, I met Sarah, the lead attorney that would be taking my case. The False and Defamatory podcast is hosted, edited, and produced by me, Crystal Brighton, with music by Harry B. Ragsdale, who also serves as my audio engineer. First and foremost, I would like to thank my guests who generously shared their time and insight with us. I would also like to thank my husband, my mom, my children, my therapist, my attorneys, and trusted friends who walked with me through this process and made this podcast possible. Being able to finally speak the truth is incredibly healing, and I appreciate you listening more than I could accurately express. If you would like to continue receiving my latest episodes and stay up to date with my content, please subscribe to the False and Defamatory podcast on your preferred podcast platform and follow False and Defamatory on social media with the handle at False and Defamatory. Links to False and Defamatory social media as well as my blog can be found in the episode notes and on falseanddefamatory.com. Listening to the False and Defamatory podcast is free on most platforms. However, if you prefer a video podcast or would like to see the documents discussed in the podcast shown on screen, you can subscribe to my Patreon, where you will enjoy these benefits as well as early access, bonus content, and ad-free listening. The defendant spread her false and defamatory claims to hundreds of thousands of followers for more than two years. My goal is to share the truth so it can reach each person who heard her lies. By sharing this podcast, you can help me achieve that goal. Your support means everything to me and helps me reach a wider audience. So please, hit that subscribe button and share this podcast podcast with those you think would benefit from it. Thank you again for sharing and for listening. All social media posts referenced in this podcast were included in the evidence in case number 096-321-67820 in the 96th 
District Court of Tarrant County, Texas, where the jury unanimously ruled in my favor on August 24, 2022. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the False and Defamatory podcast does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Views and opinions expressed by the guests are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the view of the False and Defamatory podcast or Crystal Wrighton. Please do not make any attempts to reach out to the defendant or her followers. Names have been redacted to protect the privacy of the defendant and her army of followers who commented on her public posts. The unanimous jury verdict has not only provided me with justice, but also allows me to share my story. The purpose of this podcast is to share the truth and to provide educational content regarding defamation and social media. If you have any questions about this or to view the documents discussed in this episode, please visit falseanddefamatory.com. Thank you.